This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home, and I'm recording in progress here episode again at home during the coronavirus shutdown. And even though up to now I've been doing all these episodes uh, recorded during the shutdown specifically about the coronavirus and about kind of how that uh, affects each of us and how that reminds each of us where we're putting our trust, where we're finding our hope. Um, this episode is going to be focusing in on something different. And, uh, you know, in some ways, it's going to kind of point back to, um, I forget if it was episode 14 or 15, that was just called Do Something. Uh, and in that episode, I talked about how each of us has uh, some specific, maybe I would use the word calling on our lives, but I would say a specific passion for an injustice, for something that we see and we just look and we say, that's not right. That's not right with our world. And I talked about all different kinds of things that, um, you know, are really things that are on all of our radar. Not all of them are on each of our radar, but all of them are, uh, or all of us have one or two maybe that's on our radar. And uh, in light of, you know, instead of just kind of re-uploading that episode, I want to talk specifically uh, in light of events that have happened over the past couple of weeks, maybe it's been three weeks um, now since, you know, you've probably seen or have some awareness of uh, these uh, killings that have happened to people, uh, black people living in America were killed at the hands of police officers. Uh, Brianna Taylor, that happened two or three weeks ago, I think it was. Maybe it was a touch longer ago than that. And then as I'm recording, um, earlier this week, George Floyd. And, you know, I'm guessing pretty much all of us, we hear those names and we immediately know the story or at least, you know, what of the story we've been exposed to. But as I've been you know, seeing things pop up in um, timelines and Twitter feeds and uh, conversations that uh, people who have children who are black or biracial and are talking about, wow, this leaves me afraid. This leaves me going through these extra steps to help train my kids as they're out in society, how to make it super clear to everyone, especially law enforcement, that they're not any kind of threat in any kind of way. And that's not to say, because it's, it's not um, what we see, that Breonna Taylor or George Floyd made themselves threats and that's what happened but these parents are wrestling with okay is there anything that i can do to decrease the likelihood that something escalates and uh 
leads to a situation where my child or myself, um, you know, end up in a story like this. And like hopefully all of you listening, um, my, my heart has been heavy uh, just thinking about thinking about okay what <laughs> what do I even do what do I even say I, I don't understand how to communicate to someone and change their mind to help them see that life has value and I to be honest with you I'm at a a pretty substantial loss. Um, and so what I did is I took a look at a passage uh, from Isaiah chapter 1. And this is the beginning of Isaiah is, um, is God speaking through Isaiah, a vision uh, to Isaiah, and he shares and he starts off in verses, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, um, just saying, okay, here's the situation. God is the one speaking and saying, I have children and they're disobedient and they're doing their own thing and they don't follow after me. They've forsaken me. And so he talks about these um you know, you're you're experiencing some consequences. Things are not going well. And I'm telling you this not to say this is an exact parallel to what kind of led up to the situation that I'm, you know, the these awful, tragic, senseless killings that have prompted me to record this particular episode. But I want to give you some backdrop here for what's happening before the couple verses uh, that I'm going to be reading. And so God gets to a point, and it it has echoes of a passage, and I forget if it's Habakkuk, Malachi, one of those. I, I should have looked it up before I started recording, but where he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And what God is talking about here in these early verses in the book of Isaiah, um, I'm just going to read, this is verse 11. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? Says the Lord, I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, that's one of the religious celebrations. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. 
wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. And this next verse is the verse that I was uh, initially, the only verse I was initially (laughs) planning on reading, but I think to give an idea of where God is coming from, to give the train of thought leading up to this. He's saying, guys, you're, you're missing the point so much that your worship to me, it's not what I'm looking for because it, it's not matching a life that is lived the way I've called you to live. And so he says in verse 17, learn to do right. And then there's a semicolon and there's a list of a few things there. Um, learn to do right. So what follows is what God is saying. These are the things that are separating, that are keeping you uh, from being righteous, from being obedient, from being faithful in my sight. Learn to do right. And then he gives this list. Seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Now, I've talked about this before. Um, I think it was probably one of the first 15, 20 episodes about uh, God as our father. And this picture and this... um, this phrasing that he continually uses throughout scripture is talking about those who are fatherless and widows. And, uh, you know, a big part of why those are two specific groups that are called out is that those two specific groups um, were without their main provider. Um, So a father, and I know that today that doesn't uh you know that isn't a one-to-one correlation of the father is the provider so if you don't have a father if you don't have a husband you don't have a provider um things have changed and lots of women lots of wives lots of moms are the primary household earner and provider the sole household earner and provider, the sole adult in the household. Um, But what God was getting at here is saying the people who are in a spot where they, they need support. They need, man, sorry, I don't know if you, (laughs) I'm sure you can. You hear my dogs that are running around on our wood floor here like crazy. So sorry about that. Um, but I, so I'm going to walk in a different room and leave my computer behind. So that's any kind of notes I had are about to be gone, but at least you'll be able to hear me. Um, and so, sorry, I'm going to get back to my point here. So God is talking about defending the oppressed, taking up the cause of the fatherless and widows. 
and do right, seek justice. Um, when I think about what we've seen here in the past few weeks in America, uh, I see, and you know, these are two situations that made national news, and you know, so we hear about these two particular um, incidents, these two particular senseless killings but um, there is continual challenge difficulty oppression that people of color face living in America not every single moment of every single day, you can find situations where you say, well, this, there's nothing biased against this person right here. Um, but on the whole and continually, people of color do not have the same experience that I have as a white person. And I want to... I want to encourage you. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to an article that you may have seen uh, recently. You may have seen a while ago. I think it came out on Medium in 20, I'm looking at now, 2017. That's called 75 Things White People Can Do for Racial Justice. And I'm putting it in the show notes. And I want to encourage you um, to take a look through this article. And there are going to be some of the things on this article that you think are too political. There are going to be some of the things on this article that you think are unnecessary. There are going to be things in this article that you completely disagree with. But I want to encourage you to keep going, to push through that. If you disagree, um, well, there's 75 things. So if you disagree with two or three or 20 uh, that leaves a whole bunch more of other things that you can take a look at and say, okay, what can I actively do um, to seek justice? Because I've, I've been struggling, you know, thinking over the past um, few weeks, I'm talking specifically about Breonna Taylor and George Floyd's um, killings. And I see that we get mad and we get sad, and those are 100% exactly um, how we should be feeling in the moment. But I see, like, okay, we post something on social media, and, you know, it's good that more people agree and more people uh, feel and go, man, that is just at its core wrong. But awareness is good, but it doesn't solve anything by itself. And so what are some of the steps that we can take? And I love, you know, in this article, the first couple here, the first one, Google whether your local police department currently outfits all on-duty police officers with a body-worn camera and requires it to be turned on immediately when the officer responds to a police call. That right there is something we can reach out to our city, and it talks about reach out 
and ask them to do that if that doesn't already exist. Number two, Google whether your city or town currently employs evidence-based police de-escalation trainings. That's something we can do and then encourages, if that's not the case, reach out and talk about that. Uh, And there are 75 things on this list. 75 ways, and like I say, you're going to read through some and go, too political, or I don't see how that would help, or I would never do that, or I don't agree, or whatever it is, but just keep going. Push through that, because to learn something new, or to try something new, or to be pushed in a new direction, um, that's how it's going to feel. It's going to be uncomfortable, it's going to be challenging, and difficult, and frustrating, and confusing, Um, but I really do believe that it's being faithful to what God says here. I'm going to read this verse again, the last verse that I read, verse 17 from Isaiah chapter 1. I really believe that it's in line and it is um, being faithful to God's calling here when he says, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. It's really clear from this passage and from all of scripture that God cares in a unique and a significant and a special way for people who um, are more vulnerable, for people who the system is not set up to be specifically geared toward or give preferential treatment to. And I think there's, you know, like I say in the show notes here, there's this link to 75 things that um, white people can do to say, okay, how do we come alongside of our brothers and sisters um, of color who we, we don't disagree, the system, whatever that makes you think of in your head, is not, it, it is giving preference to me as a white person over people of color. And what are some ways that we can take some steps um, to join in this thing that matters deeply to God to learn to do right, to seek justice, to fend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Let's find some ways to practice that even though it's going to require stretching and uncomfortable and reading through some things that uh, that we don't agree with or that make us angry or that whatever it is, I just want to encourage you, push through that because I think uh, we can find some ways to be faithful. We can find some ways to be obedient, to live up to this calling that God has given us to do whatever we can do 
to seek justice, to defend the oppressed, to care for people who um, who don't have the same privileges and opportunities uh, that we have as white people. And I, you know, I'm trying to think of the language to say that because I know just because you're listening to this podcast doesn't mean that you're white. Um, but I want to encourage those of us who are, I'm recording it and I'm white. So that's probably why I'm saying, you know, we acting like, Hey, this is a white people only (laughs) podcast. It's not obviously, but, um, but I want to encourage those of us who are to take a look at this, uh, link in the show notes, these 75 ways that we can do something, um, toward racial justice and I want to encourage all of us to you know maybe start with one or two things on the list but to slowly over time work and work and work uh, and be more and more open and understand more and more fully that our experience as white people in America is not the same as the experience of people of color. And I want to encourage and challenge us in an effort to be faithful to God and what matters to him to uh, do what we can to seek justice, to do what we can to defend the oppressed.